you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast, get in touch via manblues at gmx.com or at manbluesuk on Twitter. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. Hi, I'm Leon Deggs, and you're listening to Man Blues. In this episode, the topic is getting old. Now, I don't mean the topic is getting old. I mean, it's about ageing. It's about me getting older, specifically. Robert Smith said in his 1980s hit, um, In Between Days, Yesterday I Got So Old. Well, it wasn't yesterday, and it was a week ago, but it also wasn't a week ago that I felt that I got so old. I feel I've been old for a while now. There's no hiding the fact that my son was born when I was 30, my son is now 18, and if you do the mathematics on that, um, you'll understand that I'm approximately 48 years old. I'm not, I'm actually 49. I thought, with 50 approaching, I thought I'd feel different. I thought I'd feel more sort of reflective, and I thought I'd feel more enlightened. I thought I'd feel more embracing of where I am, more accepting of it. And I don't actually feel any different. And it sounds a little strange to say it like that and to say it out loud, but I really don't feel any different. I sometimes look down at my feet, for instance, when I'm out and about, and I realise I'm wearing trainers, and I'm a 49-year-old man wearing trainers, and I've got relatively cool-looking jeans on, and I've got a nice shirt. I don't really look my age. I think I think the thing that gives it away most for me is the fact that I've got so much grey hair in this beard that I've allowed to cultivate on my face, and I've grown all over me ever since lockdown. I was clean-shaven for work, so I never had any stubble or any kind of designer nonsense, anything like that. I've never been that cool. But... For some reason that lockdown happened and I just realised there was no need for me to be shaving because I was only doing it for appearances sake. And I also no longer put nice things on to go to work, you know, I've got these nice trousers and nice shirts, cufflinks, you name it, nice little ties, all the rest of it. I don't need them anymore. But then when I go out and about I just look down and I think, oh yeah, I've got these cool trainers, yeah, they're pretty groovy and I've got these nice trousers and I've got these nice jeans, I've got this nice shirt on, I put a nice hat on, I've got a nice smart looking coat. And I don't feel as though I'm dressing like a 49-year-old man. However, my wife does occasionally buy things for me that she thinks I'll look good in. And I take one look at it and I think, ooh, not yet, but maybe five years' time. And that's one of those moments where I sort of have that reality check where I think, actually, I am older. And I do need to accept the fact that I can't dress like that anymore. I certainly can't behave the way I used to behave, let's say, picking any number 25 years ago I can't behave that way anymore I can't go out on a, on a Friday night and have you know I don't even want to put a number on it I can't go out on a Friday night and drink until I fall into a sort of alcoholic coma and then wake up the following day and rinse and repeat I, I can't do that anymore there, there comes a point in, in certainly in my life there came a point but there comes a point where you just can't process that much alcohol anymore so I found that if I was going out on the Friday night I would lose most of Saturday, insofar as it took me till around about 5pm, 6pm on the Saturday to feel sort of normal again, and then I would go to sleep on the Saturday night, still feeling a little bit ropey, wake up on the Sunday and just feel fresh as a daisy, ready to start again. And I don't remember when that happened, 
I think it was around the time I hit my 30s, but I'm not sure. But I don't remember it suddenly being a thing that... Because, and this is going to sound highly inappropriate, when I was 18, 19, I used to go around, to, used to go out pretty much most uh, Saturday nights, I think it was, and I would sleep at a friend's house because he lived closer to town than I did. So I would drive to his house sort of around 5pm. We'd, you know, I'd already be ready, but, you know, I'd sit around waiting for him to get ready. Then we'd go into town and we'd have far too many drinks. I'd come home, um, usually around sort of after midnight-ish, and sleep in his spare room, wake up in the morning around about 7, 8, 9 o'clock, I'm not entirely sure when, but it was early, and then I would get in my car and drive home. And at no point did I feel as though the alcohol was still in me, I didn't really have many hangovers, I might have felt a bit ropey, but even back then I knew when to stop. But it was that thing of woke up the next day, sprang out of bed, clothes leapt onto me, jumped into the car and drove home. It wasn't a far journey or anything like that. There's no way I could do that now. No way. But as each decade sort of marches on, you kind of like you get that feeling of there's less and less to look forward to. And it's kind of dawning on me recently, certainly in the last few weeks or so, that you know my child has grown now. He's not a child anymore, he's an adult, he's 18 years old, he's passed his driving test, he's looking for work, he's got a job, he's heading out into the world, he's going to be going to university next year. He doesn't need us now apart from the financial backing and you know perhaps a little bit of emotional support. But that means that my wife and I have now got more time to spend with each other. We've got more time in the evenings and we've got more time on the weekend because for whatever reason, time is just ours again. We don't have to sacrifice it for anybody else. So we're in a position where for the first time in a long time, we can actually sit together and do things together. So I wanted to sort of explain this story a little bit about how I was trying to get ideas together for things for me and my wife to do. So there used to be an organisation that thrived quite well before lockdown, which was called Groupon. And what Groupon used to do is it used to do a multitude of things you could get um, gift. I'm, I'm not endorsing Groupon, but if you've never heard of it before, have a Google, you'll see what I mean. But what they used to do before lockdown that was really popular was they would have events that you could go to. So they, for instance, would have like a, a kayaking um, session or um, a, a skiing session or things like that, you know, activities that you could do. And a lot of them, for some reason, were about golf. And it must have been because of our location. There must have been a couple of golf courses nearby. So every now and again, I'd see this thing come up and it would say 18 holes of golf plus a breakfast roll, you know, like a bacon sandwich or whatever it was. And I thought, yeah, okay. I keep suggesting it to the wife. No, I'm not interested. No, I don't like golf. Okay. So then another thing would come around. Oh, it's only nine holes of golf. Now let's just go and give it a bat. You know, I'm not good. You're not good. Doesn't matter. Let's just, you know, let's just go and have a crack at this. No, I'm not interested. And then sometime, I want to say maybe in the last few months, my wife said something along the lines of, it'd be nice if we could find things that we can do together. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, but that's what I was trying to do before. That's what that whole stuff was with about, oh, I didn't realise. Yeah, okay, maybe golf wasn't your thing, but I was reaching out and saying, do you want to try this? Do you want to try that? Do you want to do the other? Do you want to do this, that, and the other? But her focus at that time was, oh, no, it's not really for the boy, is it? It's not really for our son. Okay, fair enough. Um, but that's not what I was doing it for. So when it became clear to her that that's what I was doing it for, it then meant that all the other suggestions I was then making were being received a bit better. For instance, I quite enjoy the idea of a comedy show. I like going to see a comedian, and they can be the famous ones, and the big guys off the TV, or they can be sort of local comedians. I don't mind, because I quite like sitting down and just having a laugh. I quite enjoy enjoying myself, I suppose. It kind of sounds silly when you say it out loud, but I enjoy enjoying myself. 
and I found that, you know, obviously laughter releases all these great endorphins, makes you feel better about things. And if you can have a shared experience with someone, so for example, you can take your significant other and you can go and sit and enjoy these shows, it's nice. But then I found that, you know, my wife was kind of getting to the point where she was tagging along more than sort of, you know, joining with me. And it was that thing where she, in her mind she was helping towards a relationship and helping us to do stuff together. And then she would say to me something like, can we not do something a bit more cultured? Can we not maybe go and see, not necessarily opera or ballet, but you get, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, the thing is, these things would come round. And I'd look at the cost of the tickets, which were four times the cost of the comedy tickets. And I'd be like, I'm not that into ballet. I'm not that into opera or, or, or whatever it is. I'm, I'm just not that invested into it. So now I'm doing the same thing to her, where I'm kind of going, mm, no. Mm, not sure. So it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if that's an age thing or not, you know, because I think that you get to a certain age and you know what you like and you know what you don't like. You know what you're going to enjoy and you know what you're not going to enjoy. Yes, there are still things out there that you haven't tried. Even at my tender age, there are things you haven't tried. So you can't possibly know whether you're going to enjoy them or not. But you have an inkling. So if someone says to you, do you want to go and see a play? A play can be very distracting. A play can be exciting to watch. A play can be a good little story. The best play I've ever seen was a play called Noises Off. If it's in your town, go and see it. It's brilliant. But when it comes to opera, most operas are sung in a foreign language, foreign to me. That's not me being xenophobic, but they're foreign to me. So I wouldn't necessarily understand them. People explain how you get swept up in the whole emotion of this thing. Not sure I would. I, I can kind of tell you now... I wouldn't be focused on what's going on on stage. I will definitely find something else in the room that will capture my attention. Most likely the orchestra pit. I'll probably be looking down at that going, oh, look at that, yeah, the guy with the bassoon's playing now, rather than focusing on the story. So I think that would be something that would not work for the tours. But then we talk about things that we, we both quite like going for walks, you know, like literally walking boots on, walking sticks, rain jackets on, uh, rucksacks on, and just heading off out into the wild. We've done that a lot. But the problem is... As you get older, there's a raft of exercises and activities that you can no longer do. Not because you're old, but because the implications could be quite large. I mean, even going out for a walk. My wife and I went out for a walk yesterday. We found this nice little track that's just around the back of our houses. It's not far, it's about five kilometres round trip. And on the way round, we were going down a steep incline that I thought was safe. It wasn't safe. It was muddy. I slipped my, my left leg. I skied on it for a bit. And of course, when you're doing that, you're trying to stop yourself from falling. And what happens is you tense every single muscle in your body to try to remain upright. And here we are a day later, a day and a half later, and I can feel crimps in my back because of the tensing of those muscles. So those sorts of things then tend to fall off the list. I mean, my wife would like to go on a skiing holiday. Well, she's going to be going on her own. I can fall over on a flat surface. I don't need any help. So I don't, you know, there's, there's certain things I just know I'm not going to enjoy. I did do a skiing lesson. Again, possibly trying to hang on to some, dreadfully hang on to some youth that I think I might have had, but I had one go at it, I was not very good at it, didn't feel okay, and never went back. But now I know. I, I had an inkling before, and now I know. But what I've also been able to explain to my wife is say, look, I've got this inkling I'm not going to enjoy it, and I'm also proven right when I do that. Not because I've got some sort of negative emotion in me to kind of go, I'm not going to enjoy this, so I'm going to insist I don't enjoy it. No, I tried it and just genuinely didn't like it. So all those forms of exercise, they fall off that list and they suddenly become something that you can't put on your to-do list because you just, first of all, she doesn't want to do it. 
or you don't want to do it. And then there's the health impact. I used to work with a guy whose passion was camping, but his passion was camping and walking, and he would literally be one of those guys who you know, could have done the Arctic treks and things like that. He, he loved it more when he was telling you stories about how he had to dig a hole into the frosted ground and they had to pour boiling water in the ground to soften it up and then they had to pour boiling water in the ground again to freeze the tent pegs in place and then the following morning they just pulled the ice out all these little stories he loved these stories um, and he would literally just not go into a campsite not do this glamping nonsense that people do these days he was a proper hardcore camping guy he rang in to work one day said he was um, said he was in hospital and he's going to be laid up for about six weeks we found out that he'd been he'd literally been on the mountainside in in northern scotland somewhere and uh, an avalanche had just dragged him down the hill and he was the lucky one because as he fell he banged his head on the floor and was knocked unconscious so his body just ragdolled all the way down the hill wakes up he's in hospital because he's got a concussion they want to make sure his brain's fine because he's they don't know how hard he's hit the ground and i just think he was telling me that story and I thought that's a really good anecdote, that's something that he's going to tell his grandkids because he lived and survived and it's, it's a story he can tell the grandkids. But I know that the next time he went out camping in the cold, in the wild, when he was up on that hill and he could see there was a potential possible avalanche going to happen or there was that same sort of set, set of characteristics and scenario that was building that could lead to it, that he would avoid it. He wouldn't go into it headlong because that's where experience comes from. That's where people get their knowledge. And I got the feeling when he was telling that story that he would never do that again. Meaning, something else drops off the list. And that's what I feel about getting old, is that there's now fewer things on that list that A, I want to do, and B, I feel the need to do. And when people say, oh, what about skydiving? I don't need that adrenaline rush. I'm not that desperate for it. However, on the converse side of that, I quite like the idea of being driven around a rally course by a rally driver, you know, feeling that kind of rush of adrenaline of skidding around in a car and just kind of watching the, the landscape blur past the window. That I quite like the idea of. I also quite like the idea of trying that. So anyway, obviously, with these podcasts, I try to do positivity at the end of each episode, and it's very difficult to be positive about getting old, other than... The older you get, the less you feel the need to do, perhaps, because you've already done it. Everyone talks about these bucket lists. Bucket lists are all well and good, but I find that the problem with a bucket list is it ends up being the albatross around your neck unless you've got plans or capability to do them. You know, I've got things on my bucket list. I would like to go and trail all around Southeast Asia. I love the idea of Japan, Vietnam, Singapore, you know, places like that. I love that idea, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get there because it's a money thing. And the, the thing I look at it now is, you know, my son's about to go off to university. We're going to have to help fund that because of the country in which we live. But that's neither here nor there. That's, that's, that's just how things are. But we're of an age now where we are, would be capable of doing that walk and capable of going to those countries and capable of wandering around and seeing all those sites. Whereas if we left it for another 10 or 15 years until we retired, we'll be less capable because we'll be older and we'll be more infirm. And then we won't be able to be on our feet all day walking around the, the capital of Japan. And you just think, I need to decide when to go. I mean, you know, they always say you're only as old as you feel. So, I'm Leon Deggs, and I'm not yet young at heart, but I'm also not finished. Thank you for listening. <laughs>